Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. The main leader's role, I mean, I think anyone could manage at the end of the day. These are the tasks we have to get done. These are the days we need to have them done by. But I think a real leader is somebody who's enthusiastic about the mission um, who's optimistic about it who has sort of realistic dreams and goals and has a long-term vision this is the business leadership podcast and i'm your host edwin frondoza welcome back or welcome to those who are new how are you doing how's your day going First off, thank you for joining me today. I am really happy, really grateful that you spent the time to press play and check out this podcast. For those who have been following me or following the show, I can't believe it. Quickly approaching milestone episode number 100. I'm getting excited. I'm wondering how to celebrate, uh, what I should do. I got a ton of interviews done. I'm super excited to roll them out. And really, as I get into the next hundred, I'd love to hear from you. Where should we take the show? What should I do? How could I improve? I'm always excited to get feedback from you. So keep them coming. Thank you again for all your support. So without further ado, this is episode number 96. And my guest today is Nicole Verkant. She's the founder and CEO of OMX. Uh, OMX recently won the Innovation Awards from NATO and was named one of 2018's World Top Procurement Technologies. Nicole is on the board of the Canadian Crown Corporation that performs government-to-government contracts between Canada and other countries around the world. She is a commentator on CBC and columnist for Vanguard magazine focusing on technology and business news. She was a dragon on CBC's Next Gen Dragon's Den, which was dedicated to early-stage technology businesses. In our conversation, Nicole explains how traveling and being location-independent gives her the benefits and freedom to accomplish more. She talks about learning the importance of asking, really addressing the problem right away, set proper expectations, setting deadlines as the key to moving any business forward, how having different kind of entrepreneurs within a team contributes to their growth. And she talks about why high-level creativity and having good judgment as emotional intelligence is the next big thing. Our sponsors today are Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partners at IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Nicole. Hi, Edwin. It's great to be here. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to, to finally sit down with you. I know for those listening, this is our, our second time around, but... <laughs> But I'm happy to do it in real life because we had some technical difficulties and starting off the new year, this is this is really great. So, Nicole, let's just start off by introducing yourself. Um, if you could tell our listeners 
a little bit something about who you are and what you like to do when you're not growing or scaling businesses. Oh God, there's something to do besides that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, thanks, Edwin. So I am the founder of OMX. Uh, before OMX, I was in manufacturing businesses. So um, working in big industrial supply chains. And so when I started this technology company, it was really to innovate in those sectors that were not being innovated in so much. So mining, infrastructure, energy, defense, aerospace, etc. Um, I grew up in a small town, but an hour northwest of Toronto. And I grew up on a horse farm. And uh, so I took about 15 years off of competitive show jumping and just started back up again about three years ago. So that takes up a lot of my time, but it's definitely still kind of thrill seeking and um, feels sort of like startup startup space sometimes too. That's, that's fun. So what, 15 years from not show jumping? That's right. Yeah. So, so did it, was it like riding a bike again or, mm -hmm. or, or even worse? With a few nuances. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like riding a bike again. Oh yeah. my gosh. So I just don't know how to do anything like in a small fashion though. So I remember about three years ago when things started to like lighten up a little bit at the company, it wasn't so intense. Um, I was like, I'm just going to go out for, you know, one ride. It's been like 10 years, you know. And then after the one ride, can I come back tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> the next day, can I come back next weekend? She goes, sure. And then a month later, I'm buying a horse. I'm jumping right back in. So um, it's pretty funny. Like every hobby I've ever taken on, I kind of do it to the extreme. But uh, but I mean, it sounds like this is not only passion, but it reopened uh, some good memories that you had. And For sure. And you're like, why yeah. did I take so long to get back into it? Well, and I've lived all over the world. I mean, my first startup was in the Dominican and we were sourcing from China. And so I was living all over the world and living on airplanes and have been in the city in Toronto for over 10 years. But like, I do really like spending time in the country. It's so uh, nice. So that's where I've been the last two weeks. So today's like my first day back in the city. Yeah, you're, you're a small town girl. And yeah. Living in a lonely world yeah. <laughs> before the midnight exactly, train. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Well, that that's super exciting. Thank you for sharing. So why don't we just just get back into today? Um, why don't you start off by telling us about OMX? Let us know. Obviously, you're the founder, but what your current roles are, or maybe your responsibilities that you're you're looking to do, and what you're trying to accomplish over the next six to twelve months. So OMX is unique in a few ways. Um, we didn't really raise big venture capital funding. Uh, we tried, but that was something I struggled with. So I'm pretty passionate now about angel investing and helping people in the very early stages. But um, we also have this uniqueness where we sell to enterprise. We sell to big organizations. The, the government and different governments around the world are um, major clients of ours too. So our sales cycles are very long and they're complex. And um, it's taken us quite a while to get some of those larger clients and get them and the best thing about them is once you get them they don't churn they, they stay there so it has taken us a while um to really figure that out to get the product to the place that it's at it's a great product and solution now but my entire focus today it's been about two years i'm very lucky where um i've taken a step back from running the day-to-day -day, and there are people that run the day-to-day -day now but the big focus is on on sales so it's all about you know, getting us into more sectors and getting us into more countries and, and new countries have, has been the piece that's taken quite a while. I, I suspect those sales cycles are up to four years long. So I've been spending a lot of time expanding into new countries and hiring and working with people who are experts in some of those countries. And then now ex um, investing in 
bringing people onto the team who are experts in some of these other sectors that I'm not hasn't I don't have an expertise in. So that's been my focus. It's really about growing in those two different ways because um, I believe we have found a really unique product market fit. What we're doing is in a very it's very niche in a sense, um, but there's still a big ocean out there that we can we can boil. So um, that's the exciting part about what I'm doing now is I'm really just growth focused. Right. And we joked about this before we recorded and and it sounds like to me um, the type of work and the focus that you're in will take you traveling a lot. And I know, I mean, you're back on the planes and, and going around a lot. So is this really the where you see yourself really just negotiating and talking with people in different countries? And, and you're, you're really out of the office now, right? I'm out of the office a lot. Um, I really don't like that, to be honest. I like being with the team. I, I, I do like sitting down at my desk and getting work done. I'm mm-hmm. kind of that type of person that would, believe it or not, a lot of people see me as an extrovert and I do a lot of public speaking, but I'm actually a lot more comfortable like behind a computer screen, screen kind of grinding it out. But I do believe that is my role right now um, as the leader of the company is to be out um, sort of evangelizing for what we're doing because a lot of what we're doing, especially in some of these new sectors, is around creating a, a mind is sort of shifting people's minds towards um, ethical sourcing towards um, you know, when you're making, when you're building large infrastructure projects, how do we maximize the community benefits? So it's a lot of thinking around government policies and thinking around um, corporate social responsibility and some of these topics, you know, before they start to say, well, there's these great technology solutions as well. So I believe that's really that's really my role right now. And so in order to do that effectively, you can't really do that from your office. Right. And do you find there's a specific um, countries or verticals that, that are, you know, I, I know you mentioned they're four-year cycles. Yeah. But obviously, you're, there's some countries that might be more quicker to adapt things that OMX is doing today. For sure. Well, the United States has been the fastest adopter by far. Actually, from day one, that's where we got most of our support from, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, was from large U.S. companies. I just think that they're very commercial in the States and they're very open to innovation. And, um, you know, we just found that there were sort of better budgets down there, whereas a lot of the companies in Canada were kind of had a bit more of a branch plant mentality if they were part of a larger corporation. So definitely the United States was the fastest to adopt by far. we had some success in Europe early on, and we, we still do in places like Spain and Germany and uh, the Netherlands, et cetera. Um, and then uh, we we had some really strong interest in Korea, believe it or not, very technology-focused uh, country as well. And then because of some government policy changes, um, and we also have a representative there, which is really helpful, <laughs> um, it's been very slow going as that country is, but we've also had some success in India, which has been uh, which has been really neat. We're basically um, leaning on the fact that India is very bureaucratic and has a lot of paperwork required and some of their reporting requirements. So um, we've been able to to leverage that inefficiency to uh, have some success there. Well, that's exciting. I'm I'm really wishing you guys luck. L- looking outside in really happy for the successes and where it's going today so keep us uh, in the loop how things going and hopefully if there's anything we could do in our community obviously mm-hmm. let us know um but nicole as i as i did research and, and you quickly mentioned it at the top uh, when i looked at your career i mean you worked and you founded a number of companies um before omx uh, so i'd love it if you could share um some difficult decisions that you had to make uh, maybe now and that you look back, it really allowed you to grow as as the business leader you are today. Oh gosh, um, 
I think if there's not a difficult decision when you're in front, that's kind of right in front of you, then you're not, you're not doing something right. So it just feels like, um, one conversation I have with a friend of mine is says so many, there's a million little ones, I think that end up boiling into me the big one. I don't really believe in these, like there's these Hollywoodized moments of I took the last hundred thousand and went to Vegas and that was the moment. Like, I think the reality is that, if you're doing it right, there's going to be some hard decision sort of every week kind of thing. But it comes down to, the, I think, the conversations that you're having with people. So sort of difficult conversations. And they can even range from some of the hardest conversations I've had in my career have been asking for something. So even showing up in front of the customer and after you've had 12 meetings, you say, when are we getting this done? When are So those are some of the harder things for me, which I think is interesting because they're practical things that everyone's going to face, but um, they've definitely been some of the harder moments for me. Um, I mean, just getting started is hard. I know that's hard for everybody, but um, I know when I got started, I wanted to take some time off and I wasn't really <laughs> sure where to start. And I think that's, that's really hard. When I got started, I didn't know where to start and I kind of fumbled the ball and spent money in places where I didn't need to. And, probably overanalyzed a little bit. I should have been sort of on the field just making moves and seeing what worked faster. But um, I think they're all hard. I think the, the hardest thing is starting. And then after that, it just, well, there's a book, right? The hard things about hard yeah, things. There's yeah. always new stuff that comes up. And then as you grow your team, it, it, all, it becomes all about people. And it becomes about having those conversations with people internally and motivating them. And then um, there, it ends up you do so much of your work is talking. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, just like you, well, <laughs> just it's, like it's, you, Edwin. We we do we do we do well as communicators, right? And, and one thing that you mentioned, and I and I've heard it a quite a quite a number of bits, and being an entrepreneur as well, and, and I do have a tech company as well. I know I spent a lot of money, probably in too much money, on places where I shouldn't have. But what I heard there, Nicole, was you know asking for the sale. Yeah, uh, maybe having key employee conversations whether yeah. whether you're hiring or firing or yeah. or moving reorging um as those experiences came through are you more comfortable with them now or are you faster to recognize them now mm-hmm. or to have this discussions Absolutely. like what what would you tell someone listening today who might be sitting in that position yeah. right now i think i've never really been a person that likes conflict i've never been the person to just start an argument with somebody um so I think I found that that definitely has been a weakness of mine. I think if you're seeing something going wrong, you got to address it right away. And you learn that the, che- the problems become a lot cheaper if you do that, right? If you sit down and you say, look, this isn't working for this reason. Um, I think it's all about setting expectations. And I think um, it's so cheesy, but I heard someone say to me, you know, don't give feedback, give feed forward. And so I'm always trying to do, okay, so what are we going to do in the next quarter? Um, how do I need to improve as a leader? How do the other people on the team need to improve? Like, what are we doing forward? And I think for me, that's been really helpful, but you're right, doing it as soon as possible. But then I'm also a big fan of setting expectations up front. Like, we want you to come in, these are some of the numbers that we would need, or this is what we expect, and um, sort of staying on top of that. And then when it comes to sales and customers, um, same thing, that's been the hardest thing for me is, for some reason, I was always so nervous to just say, 
what is our next meeting and what are we going to accomplish at that meeting? And can we have an agenda going into that meeting? Stuff like that, um, I think has become so key to really making things happen and closing deals and moving forward. And um, I know I mentioned that we didn't really raise a lot of capital, but now that I talk to entrepreneurs that are raising capital, I tell them, give your investors a deadline. This is the day we're closing. Can, can we have it done that day? Ask that question. So I think it's all around that same theme of, um, setting proper expectations, having some deadlines, um, talking about what we want to accomplish in a certain period of time, and then asking, like, do you agree? Can you confirm? That kind of stuff. So um, it sounds simple when you just say it, but it takes a <laughs> right, You understand, it takes yeah. a while to sort of come to that. And it's so interesting to hear investors say, well, I want to invest in entrepreneurs the second time around. And obviously, when it was my first time around in a tech startup, you're right, I've started other companies. But I was like, that's so offensive. But now that I'm the one, seven, eight years in, I'm like, I would totally invest in me the second time around. <laughs> exactly, right? Because you've learned all the lessons, which means you've blown money on things you shouldn't have. You have some scars. Yeah. You have some scars. Yeah. You had but it always comes down to people. I mean, especially in tech startups, when people say you're spending money and that stuff that's not returning, it always comes down to having the right person in those certain roles and having those expectations. Um, one thing I wanted to... Um, ask you nicole is with these you know you, you talk about your first startup your second startup different organizations um i mean you had different teams different responsibilities so i'm really curious is how how did you adjust uh, continually adjust as you move teams was there something specific you did did you look back i mean you didn't want feedback so you were looking forward was there something that you did or you do continually do to, to grow <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I, every new, every team is so different. Mm -hmm. They're like these living organisms that you keep going. And my very first team was so unique. It was such an interesting story. I actually went in to the Dominican and started up a factory, and we were sewing certain things for um, the U.S. government. And the timing was really interesting in that the Samsonite luggage factory was shutting down. So I went in and hired the GM there and he cherry picked the top people that were in that factory. They had 600 people and we needed to hire 60 <laughs> and they came and they were so excited and we paid them more than the last company did. And everybody was young, but it was this sort of um, monoculture in a sense in that they were all, um, from the same town in Dominican. They all worked at the same factory. They all kind of had the exact same background and they were energized. It was a really awesome team, but it was very unique. And um, our GM knew them and he knew how to incentivize them. And we did a lot of fun stuff. And uh, so that was really fun. And then when I started the tech company, it was just so different because we didn't, I mean, I had a big order in the Dominican. So it was just about delivering. And then starting Omex, it was like, well, we all need to get on this mission and actually change customers' behaviors and actually disrupt an industry and actually go into these large organizations and try to convince them that technology and innovation is something that they could embrace. And so it was a totally different type of mission. And then the team that we put together sort of came from a whole bunch of different walks of life because it was all just about who can kind of get it done. And, um, you know, Toronto is a great place because there's people from all over the world. And even our tech team, we've been hiring um, a lot of people from South America and they've been moving to Toronto to work for us. And so we've got a different vibe in this team and it's a different mission. And so you're right, there's definitely um, adjustments. But at the end of the day, I mean, 
everyone is an adult and everybody can kind of handle their own stuff. And we're kind of hands off in that sense. Like if you bring entrepreneurs onto the team, then they act like entrepreneurs. They're not, they're not managed the way they would be in a big corporation. So I don't really believe necessarily in kind of traditional management styles. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's really interesting. And I know when I look into the future of work, which a lot of interest in me and personal interests is, mm-hmm. and you mentioned hiring entrepreneurs, is that something that being an entrepreneur, is that something that you continually believe in bringing people in on board? But obviously there might be a mix, but there's a real focus on entrepreneurship in Canada now. Absolutely. And that word can mean a lot. And it could just mean self-starter. It could just mean willing to do the stuff that you're not, other people are not normally willing to do. But you mentioned the future of work, and I'm interested in that too, because there's a lot of people that are very afraid of what's about to come through AI and robotics and continuous um, automation. And I believe that the future of work will be all about rewarding people for creativity and will be all about... Um, trying to foster people who have um, this sort of higher level of creativity and and judgment. They can make judgment based on what essentially algorithms are going to be doing for them. So they're not going to necessarily be crunching numbers and spreadsheets the way they are today. A lot of prediction can be done through algorithms and AI and that sort of thing, but it's going to place a lot more emphasis on things like creativity, things like emotional intelligence, things like having good judgment and being able to look at data and different predictions and make judgments based on them. And, um, being able to work with people. So different skills. And I do believe that it will be an era of more entrepreneurialism, which is exciting. And it should move our entire society up to the next level and in the long run, create more jobs. Um, but there will be some creative destruction that's happening. And a lot of people will have a lot of difficulty adjusting. But um, I do believe that we are moving to an era that is going to have a lot more focus on, on those skills. Hey there. If you are enjoying this conversation with Nicole and have any questions, comments, or feedback, please let me know. Simply reach out directly to me at edwin at thebusinessleadership.com or preferably post it on my free private Facebook group where I share my daily insights. I'll answer your questions and I'll also connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the business leadership group directly in facebook now let's get back to it you mentioned communications and and talking a lot um how do you and actually one thing you did mention earlier is that you like as outside person you are you still like being behind a computer so Mm -hmm. what are you saying to young professionals, whether they're entrepreneurs or emerging business leaders, um, what are the key skills they should be learning today that will may not, doesn't make sense right now, mm-hmm. but, but may, I mean, we're all predicting now. We, we have no really idea. Yeah. Like, wh- what do you think, you know, someone listening today is like, Nicole, what should I learn today? Well, it's fascinating because you have so many people graduating with bachelor's of arts degrees. They've paid a lot of money for it and they've invested a lot of time in it. I don't want to discount that. And I think what you really learn in university getting a bachelor of arts degree is is more than sort of just that content. There's a lot of social skills that come out of it, you know, just the ability to manage your own schedule and agenda and study and show up for the exam. And those are, they're different skills that come out of that. But, you know, a lot of hiring, even today when I look at who we're hiring, you know, we're hiring people that 
are experts in inbound marketing, something that <laughs> wouldn't have been a skill 10 years ago. Um, you know, community managers that know how to manage online communities. Um, so people that know about this kind of stuff that are important to us. And so I think the more young people, you know, well, going to school is important. I think the more they can pick up some of these specific skills, learning how to use um, online stores and e-commerce and drive online marketing and all of those different more specific skills that will be unique in this new economy because there's going to be new titles that are, are that are centered around new technologies that are coming out the more they can learn those skills i think the better because um in terms of companies hiring especially young people out of school they're going to be wanting to hire for those unique skills that they don't have in their organizations you know, I mean, it's really fascinating um, for me. For one, I have I have a young daughter, two and a half. So I just think about twenty years. What she's teaching you how to use your iPhone, right? <laughs> oh my god, my iPhone and my and my computer here. She likes to draw on this already, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think about that like like even like just last night, I was looking at what type of schools do you put in here now? Like, does the education system make sense? But you know, yeah. how do we as business leaders really? educate and really lead and, and be open to it too right i mean it's total total ad hoc but i i I don't, I don't know if you had thoughts on that but that's that's where i'm thinking from and that's why i love asking this question and, mm -hmm. and being in front of and it's not always about technology i mean and i know my answer was full of technology related but skills. you are thinking of, from your point of view at this point today For business sure. goals but i think that's also creating a lot a problem with a lot of kids and you look at someone like um eve jobs you know, she's come out and she was sort of trained by her father, Steve Jobs, to stay away from computers, stay away from, do not post on social media or be on it that often. And so there's also that side of the coin too, where I think um, a lot of what we've created in the tech community, especially on the B2C side, I think there's a huge element of that that'll be kind of like cigarettes of the future because it's junk food for your brain. And um, I think there's a lot of kids that are growing up just, totally engulfed by it and i've even seen bringing some young people into our organization they'll be on snapchat with it on their lap while they're trying to work at the same time and you know there's other benefits because they understand technology and they're adapt at inbound marketing all these different things so there's a positive side of that coin there's also negative so um i think I think just talking about the future of work and the, the stuff that AI is going to do for us, um, obviously being adapted technology will be great, but also some of those social skills and emotional intelligence and um, the ability to turn it off and focus, I think will be really important as well. No, amazing. Um, Nicole, what, what advice would you give someone who's listening today that is going into their first leadership role, um, mm -hmm. whether it's, an entrepreneur or manager position, what type of advice would you give them? <laughs> I've never been a professional manager, so <laughs> I am not the person to ask, but I would say, I just think the thing to start with is enthusiasm and optimism. And I think the main leader's role, I mean, I think anyone could manage at the end of the day, these are the tasks we have to get done, these are the days we need to have them done by. But I think a real leader is somebody who's enthusiastic about the mission, um, who's optimistic about it, who has sort of realistic dreams and goals and has a long-term vision. And so I think 
for people starting out leadership positions is to really think about why they love what this mission is that they're on and to try to communicate that as much as possible because um, you're the one out in front. You're the one that's seen that. Um, you're often the one talking to the customer base frequently about why they love what you're doing, et cetera. So I think that's, if you can start there, then I think everything else kind of comes easily. As you brought up team members to take on leadership roles, were there specific characteristics that you were looking into? That was definitely one of them. I think the people that um, you can tell are the ones that are sort of on this mission and they're communicating the mission sort of without you to the outside world. To me, that's a big, a big piece of being really enthusiastic. Um, And then the biggest thing, especially we have a small team still um, being a self-starter, like, you know, until you've got hundreds of employees and you really have that strong middle management layer, and I think there's a lot of negatives that also come with that, then your entire team basically needs to be made up of people who are self-starters who say, okay, this is my end goal. Then I think these are the 15 things I need to do to get there. Or, hey, I have a new idea. Um, I don't know if you've, or if any of the listeners have read or heard the podcast of Ray Dalio, and it's like extreme transparency. I think what he means by that is more about um, sharing with everyone on the team, these are the entire company's goals, and then people on the team having the ability to say, I've got this idea and nobody interrupting them. It doesn't matter what level you're at. And so when you talk about sort of who gets moved up into those leadership roles, I think it's the people that are willing to say, I don't agree with this direction or, hey, you know, last night I was just thinking and now I have another big idea on how we can do this. And so coming up with your own thoughts and being a self-starter and continuing to have enthusiasm that becomes infectious with everybody else. Yeah, no, for sure. You mentioned uh, Ray Dalio, um, even, you know, hard things about hard things. (laughs) I'm curious, what are you reading right now, Nicole? Oh, I... um, just finished Hunter Harrison's book called The Railroader. I'm obsessed with him. Um, he's just a hard knocks guy, um, but a great story and uh, just a great story about turning around some very traditional sectors in Canada. Um, but yeah, no, I, I spent a lot of time reading all year. Actually, I just can't think off the top of my head. Yeah, no problem. But I mean, that, that's a great that's a great example, and, and we'll definitely list that because it's the first time I uh, heard about it. So. I love when uh, just came out. Yeah, I love when my guests have bring in new books that they're talking about, right? So uh, it puts it on my list as well. Is there any one person? It could be a couple of people who had a tremendous impact on you as a business leader. It could be anyone, maybe a mentor, alive or dead, <laughs> met or not met. <laughs> there have been way too many. Um, you know, you talked about reading. That that was always a hobby of mine. So I've mm-hmm. just read so many different biographies. Um, I was at a point where there's at least one a month. And so I think you're picking up and you're absorbing all these little things from each one. And, um, you know, Hunter Harris, I just mentioned, I also finished Shoe Dog a few months ago, the story of Nike. And you're reading all this stuff and you're just picking up little pieces and you're using what's useful to you. So I think there's been so many along the way. Um, and then my parents were entrepreneurs. So I grew up in that environment and I saw their struggles and they were in very a very traditional manufacturing business. Um, so I kind of lived through the ups and downs that we went through. So they had a huge influence on me for sure. Um when I was in university, there was a woman um, that was my mentor named Angela Mondu. We're still very good friends today. And she was one of the first um, women at uh, Nortel and RIM. 
And so, um, and then since then there's been a ton. So it's been, it's been great. I mean, I think I've said this before people joke, but like it actually does take a village to raise an entrepreneur. Like so many people are helping along the way. And then there's a lot of jerks that don't help at all (laughs) (laughs) or tell you there's no way you're going to succeed. And then like that gives you fuel for a couple more years to prove them wrong. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. So those people are helpful too. Those jerks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Curious, are you uh, still reading or reading audiobooks? Oh, I'm reading, reading, absolutely reading. I, I, um, I listen to podcasts for sure. Like I, I love Planet Money and some of these podcasts and your podcast, obviously. So I like podcasts, but when it comes to reading, I cannot get into Audible. And for me, it's about turning my brain off of the screen, and so it's become a habit. And it uh, at night where I'm reading to sort of take my brain off and think about something else. So no, I'm reading books and I'm reading like hard books, but I have a big library in my house. And, um, you know, every time you put a book, you're not allowed to put a book on the bookshelf unless it's finished. I so there's, that. I so there's that. a pile, a vertical pile stacked of the ones that I didn't finish. And it's just, you feel shame when you walk by that, but they're not allowed to go on the shelf unless they've been read. So, um, no, I'm reading paper books with real paper. <laughs> <laughs> are you, uh, are you a fast reader? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I am particularly fast reader. I see. So, so when you, when you really just iron down and you, you take the time to, in the evening, every evening you you read and airplanes. And airplanes, of course. Travel travel is great for reading. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fun question. If I were to ask any of your team members, could be past, present, colleagues, peers, business partners, what's the best leadership quality that Nicole has? Oh, what God. do you think they would say? Hyperactive. <laughs> is that a quality? Could be. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm the person that like gets up on throws ideas on the ceiling up in the air that kind of float around and people are like could we pull you off the ceiling now and come up with something that's somewhere in the middle so I think I'm the queen of some of the big ideas and then it takes you got to be surrounded around people that say that's not realistic (laughs) or how do we actually execute that yeah that's great so what else is going on in your world? Do you have any other special projects, initiatives? I, I know you mentioned you're riding again, but any fun thing that you're you're super excited about, maybe you're even losing sleep about now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have some off-the-wall um, R&D projects within OMX that are way above and beyond what our, our platform today is, which which really excite me. And the big one is around applying blockchain to supply chain. And so how do you track goods through a supply chain? How do you track supplier data um, in a single ledger system and how that applies to some of these big industrial sectors? So that's something. Um, I'm also gonna be doing a project that I can't quite reveal yet um, that I'm very excited about um, around competitiveness in Canada. And it's sort of, it's gonna be a very high profile project over the next year. with CEOs of the biggest companies in really analyzing, because that's where I spend most of my time is working with some of these big companies, but really analyzing where competitiveness gaps are. So, you know, why is the Oshawa automotive factory shutting down? You know, there's some reasons, maybe the cars aren't getting purchased, but hydro electricity prices, labor rates, um, what else are tax policies? What else are really causing those gaps in competitiveness in Canada? Because I think that's the the root of where our economy will be in the future. And we have all sorts of things we want to do from a social perspective, but we need to fund them. And so I think uh, I'm really, really passionate about that. that that'll that be kicking off in about a month. Um, and I spend a lot of time thinking about it. 
That's amazing. Well, be sure to let me know um, if there's anything we could do, even personally. That stuff's that's super exciting For to sure. me. So anything we could do, let me know, and, and would love to update it uh, to our listeners as well as it launches. Um, but before we end, Nicole, what are your final thoughts, observations? Ideally, like to get some actionable recommendations that uh, you can share with the growing business leader, emerging business leader, entrepreneur who's listening today. Oh God. Um I think the biggest thing is to just get started in terms of people who have all these great ideas. And um, I also am pretty passionate about creating this culture of entrepreneurialism within large corporations. So I think there's a lot of sort of dead air happening with inside of our biggest companies um, in the country. And so I, I'm glad that your podcast is not just geared to early stage sort of startup entrepreneurs, but it's to anyone who sees himself as a leader. So if you are a middle manager at a Procter & Gamble type company, I think those are all the people that need to be empowered to look at how they can use technology, how they can use data, how they can leverage sort of the latest stuff today. So um, I think that that's great that you're focusing your audience towards those types of people. So I would say just start trying things because once you get in it, then you start figuring things out more. That's awesome, I appreciate it. But to close, Nicole, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, OMX, your next ride, or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Uh, all my crash photos are on, on some website somewhere by a professional <laughs> photographer. <laughs> There's one of me going right upside down. It's beautiful. Um, I don't have a personal website, but the OMX.com um, is where you can learn about OMX, that's for sure. Awesome. Well, Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks, Edwin. It's been great. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 96 with Nicole Verkant. If you want to learn more about Nicole, OMX, or anything else that we have discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 096. Our sponsors today are Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to podcasts today. Please join me on my free private Facebook group where I share daily insights, answer questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the Business Leadership Group, directly in Facebook. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.